previously on the Soulless Soul. Fortunately, you guys then start to make your way inside of this cavern. Alright. I know someone is there. Nobody visits Burlus. Approach. If you know what's good for you. Just stand down. You don't have to die for nothing. Should we tie him up so we can question him? I think that would be the best idea. Methuselah takes out these mandibles that have little fluff on the inside and they are very very worn he looks at you up and down and go right do you want to know if you cross our paths again or impede us in any way i will not hesitate to cut you down i'll make sure not to cut your throats if i find you on the road as it is if belak doesn't feed you to his favorite tree throughout the vastness of the multiverse there lies a tavern as you approach its doors, you catch bubbles of laughter that rise and burst into cheers as colorful groups of travelers find comfort in their bonds. As you head inside, the smile of the tavern keeper greets you. They're an otherworldly being with a bluish corporeal form. They wear attire befitting of an innkeeper, and they have a large cloudy nebula for hair speckled with stars, which gently sways with their movement. Welcome to the Storytellers Tavern, where stories are served like ale and a seat is open for you at every table. Tonight's special is the Sunless Citadel, an epic adventure of high fantasy with notes of friendship, danger, and most importantly, hope. Will our adventure survive to descent into the dungeon, or is there a dark and calamity taking root far from the sun's reach? Seeker notices this, right? Uh, hi, Mortis. Uh, come here for a moment. Mortis glances over at Seeker. Are you alright? You seem a little bit not yourself. It's just these servants of that so-called druid. The thing one would serve him so easily, fighting and killing, uh, disgusts me. Not all people are good like you, and I suppose not all druids will be good like Nera, right? Maybe it's the fact that there are bad druids that exist that make Nera so good. I suppose you're right. Thank you, my friend. And he calms down a bit. Methuselah walks over hearing their conversation. Well, there's bad people among every group, I suppose, in the world. Mortis, I know that you got hit quite badly. I was wondering if I, I could perhaps help you with a bit of healing. A look of surprise sparks onto Mortis' face. Oh, I didn't know you dabbled in healing, my friend. Uh, a little bit from time to time. You know, Chrysantha tended to get in trouble, so I needed to sometimes attune my magic to more helpful things like that. Understandable. Uh, yes, if you don't mind, I suppose that would be good. And I'm going to cast Cure Wounds on Mortis. Methuselah is once again going to clutch Yorick and start to play a song. And it is a very light song, reminiscent of the Song of Nera that I played before. And as I do, one of my floating mage hands 
floats over and turns this red color. And as I touch Mortis's shoulder, these flowers, these chrysanthemums, exactly the same ones that are in my hair, start to grow on top of the wound that glows in this red light. And then the chrysanthemums on your wound, they wilt and die and fall off, but your wound is healed. As his wounds heal off, Mortis smiles. Ah, oh, thank you, my friend. Your own healing puts mine to shame. <laughs> I had quite a spirited wife, so I, I needed to be good at this. I can relate. And you're doing all right, then. You're, you know, with the stuff with the druid, you're all right. More or less. I suppose it's as Seeker said, knowing that... Those who hold such holy magic could be corrupted. It rubs me the wrong way. Well, if there's anyone that will take this imposter down, it'll be you. Well, I'm glad to have all of you on this journey with me. There's no group I've ever trusted more. It is an honor to be here, my friend. I wish that we'd gotten to know Naira and Chrysantha, and I just, I'm excited for you guys to meet Bay. She's going to be a great addition to the team. Well, hopefully, after I find the apple, you will get to meet Chrysantha. It's gonna be like meeting a hero. She is a hero. Quite an amazing one at that. While Seeker and Methuselah are talking about Chrysantha, Mortis is gonna move over to Thorn. Thorn, are you alright? Uh, I noticed you're different again. I feel great! It was very fun! I got to shoot flowers at a hairy man! It was very interesting! Well, as long as you're all right. He's going to give him a slow head pat. He smiles up at Mortis and goes, Yes, yes, Thorn is fine. Thorn is always fine. That's good, my friend. That's good. And then I suppose after this, we'll head back to go deeper into the Sun Citadel. You guys are just getting out of the Serpentine Cavern. Reaching back and seeing the glow of the purple mushrooms emanating in the far end of this cavernous tunnel. When you reach the side finally, you guys are greeted by no other than ten skeletons that are just walking about within this room. They're all walking slowly so he didn't catch your attention until it was too late. As you guys stop frozen, one of them turns their head towards you. You can see as the greenish glow within the eye sockets heightens and then slowly all the others look at you guys. Moving towards you, it is time for another combat. Oh my. Seeker. So how far away are we from these skeletons? The closest one from you guys is a total of 20 feet. Sweet. So Seeker is going to pull their rapier from its sheath and they're going to run right at the first skeleton and just try to stick him with the rapier. You were able to reach this skeleton that is wielding some sort of big club and is currently wearing a skunk loincloth. Go for your attack. Uh, 13 to hit. With incredible speed, you approach and stab the skeleton right within his rib cage, actually making two of those rib bones fall down to the ground. And that's his Methuselah. 
So for Methuselah's turn, they're going to hold Yorick and play a song, and it's going to be a beautiful song, a continuation of the song of the Fae Queen that I was taught by my beloved teacher, Feste, and it was a song that the dragon liked as well. And the instrument is going to have this red hue that's mixed in with the shadows that start to rise off of Yorick again as well as I cast Surrey Fire. I will cast it 20 feet ahead of me, close to where all the skeletons are gathered. All right. First one, the skunk loincloth wearing skeleton. He's able to avoid the fire that emanates in a circle around him. Next is a brown cloak wearing skeleton. That one is not fast enough to avoid the luminous fire and that catches up to their cloak emanating the fairy fire. Next is the leather vest wearing skeleton. That one also is not fast enough to escape those magical snaking fires in the area and gets caught and glowing with the fire. Lastly, seems to be very short skeleton, the size of a halfling that is wearing nothing but a kilt. Three of the four skeletons in the area are actually caught with the magical fire and they start burning up, not actually to hurt them, but it makes it easier for anyone to attack them. My music is going to shift and it is going to become very cheery and almost out of tune in a weird way as I give bardic inspiration to Thorn. Moving towards Seeker, the closest enemy to this one skeleton, runs with their tiny little legs and kilt is the halfling skeleton that charges in and goes for an attack and just brings down to the chest of Seeker doing it a total of six bludgeoning damage. All right, next is a cloaked skeleton that charges in as close as possible without approaching anybody, sees Methuselah being the one in the mouth of the cavern entrance and throws a dagger at Methuselah. The dagger flies in the air and connects with the left side of the chest of Methuselah, doing a total of five piercing damage. Ouchie. Methuselah doesn't really acknowledge the fact that a blade is there, and I am able to hold on to my concentration of the spell fairy fire. Got it. Next is a dragonborn skeleton that is wearing chainmail as it approaches slowly. Once controlled steps one after the other and actually makes his way towards Mortis. What once was some sort of dragonborn knight brings up the head of the mace and strikes you hitting the side of your shell and causing quite an impact. Next is the skeleton wearing the leather vest. Walks up to the side of the room in clear view of Seeker. Pulls up a dagger and throws it into the direction of Seeker. But Seeker was lucky enough that dodges out of the way without even noticing. The dagger just flies in the distance. Next is a cloaked wearing dragonborn skeleton that charges close to the center of the room in clear view of Methuselah and throws a dagger. This one lands and impacts the leg of Methuselah. Erky's turn. He sees the situation and he goes, 
Oh god, Lear to protect us! Then proceeds forward, passes past Methuselah, looks at the circumstances, and grabs onto his medallion, saying, Lear to lights, protect us against this blight! Pointing towards the leather vested skeleton. No, not him, he was the most fashionable. The halo of red light emanates just on top of the skeleton and beams him in sacred flames that does a considerable amount of damage, but this creature is still standing. Next is the skunk-furred, loincloth-wearing skeleton that walks around Seeker in a way that he's now flanking with the little skeleton wearing a kilt. I love that they're all fashion icons. I just love that that's how Pedro describes them. For as this skeleton brings in the massive club to attack from behind, Seeker actually lowers themselves low enough to completely avoid the damage. Thorn, it is now your turn. So Thorn is kind of standing there. He has this big smile and all of a sudden, Thorn begins to glow pink as his shadow seems to rise up and come to life, splitting into three as the glowing masses form into exact duplicates of Thorn. And when they stop glowing, it's almost impossible to tell which one of these four thorns is the real thorn. And they start cackling and pointing at each other and dancing. And then Thorn, with the duplicates in tow, scurry around the dragonborn skeleton that's attacking Mortis and flank it from behind. Nets is a very big boned but stout and short skeleton that is wearing normal clothing that you would see a peasant wearing, but he has a massive wooden club, and this skeleton charges in towards Thorn and goes for an attack. Methuselah gets his bardic inspiration back because I got a one, so that means he hits the real Thorn and not a new pet. But that also means that I still have my duplicates left. Nice. Strikes in the very middle while all the other ones are dancing around Thorn. It actually manages to hit Thorn. Thorn goes, Yeah! And then all the other duplicates go, Yeah! Good one. Mortis, your turn. Uh, Mortis is immediately going to pull out his greatsword as his bonus action, and then he's going to strike the dragonborn skeleton. That's a 21 to hit. With 21, completely strikes the uh, dragonborn in front of you. Roll for the damage. That is 14 damage. You bring the blade upwards, and with a massive strike, you're able to shatter the skeleton in front of you. Bones flying everywhere. And before I end my turn, Mortis is going to pivot so that he's engaged with the skeleton that just attacked Thorn, and he's going to prepare so that he can attack him on his next turn. Awesome. Next is the skeleton in the very back of the room, wearing elvish-like clothing, something he was finding last stream. Walks up just a few feet before pulling up a bow and arrow and going for a hit on Erky. The arrow is released and connects, piercing deep within Erky's left shoulder. Ah! Damn it! Next is another skeleton. This one charges in full speed towards Mortis. The flap of the beaver-like loincloth hitting against the bones of his legs. 
as he gets close and his massive club goes for a strike as the guy tries to attack mid-run but Mortis is too quick retracting his head into the shell before the club could ever get close enough and he hits the wall instead. Lastly, it is the brown cloak wearing skeleton that sees Seeker and throws a dagger. Seeker's so lucky as another dagger just flies by without hitting the mark. Top of the round, Seeker. So this little halfling skeleton is going to face the wrath of my rapier. Go for it. So is that a six, 16 to hit? That's a hit. Roll for the damage. 13 damage. Just because his eye level is just close to the tip of your rapier, you just do a quick stab and you're able to poke the skull out of the skeleton's body. And that completely dismantles the skeleton in front of you. Methuselah, it is your turn now. How far is the closest skeleton to me? There are two skeletons within the same distance to you. One, it is the skunk-wearing loincloth one, while the other one is the dwarf with normal peasant clothing. Have any of them been hit yet? The skunk-wearing loincloth one is. So for Methuselah's turn, the skunk-furred loincloth-wearing skeleton that I am going to start to play on Yorick a little tune that is going to be very boisterous. As if I'm like making fun of his weird fashion choice of using a skunk as a loincloth. And in Methuselah's mind is thinking like, that was stupid. Like that must be like really gross. And I'm going to use Sorrowful Fate. So it has to be a charisma saving throw. What spell are you using? I'm casting Vicious Mocker. The skeleton looks down towards the loincloth, grabs onto it, tears it off hangs it up towards its eye level and then lets its jaw fall to the ground and then the rest falls with it. And that is the end of Methuselah's turn. The caped skeleton looks and picks a target, goes for Erky, throwing a dagger. Missing Erky, it hits the dagger on the wall just beside Erky, flying in the distance. The leather vest wearing skeleton then tries to throw a dagger at Seeker. It flies into the distance, unfortunately not hitting Seeker. Seeker is moving too fast for it to throw accurately. The cloaked dragonborn that sees Methuselah in the distance and goes for another dagger throw. Methuselah sees the dagger approaching as it's thrown and instead sidesteps. The dagger hits the wall and ricochets into a random direction, missing the target completely. Now it is Erky's turn. Erky grabs onto his medallion and says, Lirta, repeat your lesson to the one who is not understood the first time! And points it toward the leather vest one, hurting it as the light of red sacred flames bathes him with another pillar of flames, completely incinerating this guy. Thorn, it is now your turn. Is there a way for Thorn to flank the skeleton that just attacked him previously with Mortis? There is, but if you do so, you're gonna be positioning yourself in between two skeletons. Oh, okay. So it's gonna be a flank towards the dwarf wearing peasant clothing, but you will be flanked. Are there any skeletons still alive that are affected by the fairy fire? There is. That is the brown cloaked skeleton. 
in the other side of the room. Thorn wants to whip an Eldritch Blast at him. Do so with advantage. I got a natural 20. Nice! Roll for the damage. 23 force damage! With a massive ray of flying petals, this magical blast just traverses the hallway, hitting the brown-cloaked skeleton in the chest before it explodes completely, just leaving behind the cloak to fall empty on the ground. All of the duplicates clap for Thorn, and Thorn starts bowing. He's very pleased with himself. <laughs> and then that's the end of his turn. <laughs> now it is the turn of the dwarf wearing peasant clothing skeleton that tries once again to hit Mortis with his big wooden club. As he brings the weight of the club to the left and tries to attack Mortis, Mortis is able to put the blade in between the attack trajectory and completely deflect out of harm's way. Mortis, it is now your turn. After deflecting the attack, Mortis is going to immediately retaliate and just slash at the skeleton with his great sword. With a powerful swing from the left to the right, you devastatingly destroy the midsection of this dwarf skeleton, completely dragging all the rest of the bones towards the wall with the sheer strength of your attack. As soon as that skeleton falls to pieces, Mortis is going to shift his attention to the skeleton with the beaver loincloth and slash at him as well, using his bonus action. Go right ahead, please. 12 to hit. That is a hit. Roll for the damage. That is 13 damage. And with it, you completely destroy another one, cutting in a diagonal angle. It just drags all the bones that does not get broken or shattered into the ground as this one gets destroyed as well. And before Mortis ends his turn, he's gonna glance towards the other skeleton that's near Thorn, and he's gonna raise his sword into the air, and he's going to shout, By the power of she, you will be destroyed! Next is the elvish skeleton that notches another arrow, points at a Seeker, and loosens it. This arrow hits the side of Seeker, doing a total of 8 piercing damage. Top of the round, Seeker. That other skeleton that was flanking them before Seeker's last turn. That one's still alive, quotation marks. No, all enemies around Seeker have been eliminated. Okay, cool. It's the nearest one to me. That would be the cloaked dragonborn one. How far away? Uh, five feet. Five feet? Cool. So we're going to go up to that one. And we're going to ask for a deception check, actually. We're new insightful fighting. Mm-hmm. Never fought a dragonborn skeleton before. 18. Mm-hmm. You look at that skeleton, and because it's so different from the others, you feel intimidated by it. You don't know if it lies or if it doesn't, how truthful it is, if it has a social insurance number, you do not know. 19 a hit. That is a hit. Roll for the damage. It's gonna be 10 damage of the piercing variety. Another one that you pierce the neck area, connecting with the vines that keeps it up. And as it does so, the skeleton is decapitated and the rest of the bones fall to the ground. Next is Methuselah. How many skeletons are left? There are two remaining skeletons. How far are they away from me? The closest one to you, which is the caped one, is at 20 feet. Meanwhile, the elvish clothes wearing skeleton is a total of 50 feet away. Alright, so I am going to hold my hand and reel it back. 
and I'm going to send my hand forward and as it does it's going to glow with red color and out from it like a wave of this psionic light just flies off of it as I'm gonna give him a big old slap from a distance um, and I'm gonna use my DM inspiration. Roll to hit. 22 to hit. That is a hit. Roll for the damage. Seven damage. The wave strikes the skeleton in the chest, which disorients them, but they are still able to stand up. That will be my turn. Next is the caped skeleton, as they are in a direct line of fire with you, Mortis. They throw a dagger at your direction. The dagger connects and digs deep into your thigh. A total of six piercing damage is inflicted on you. Now it is Erky's turn. He sees the one in the far end of the room wearing nice, lavish, elvish clothing. He goes, I hope I can reach that far. Lirta's might! As the halo of red light emanates just on top of it, the pillar of flames descends, causing a total of a damage. That incinerates the elvish skeleton. Next is Thorn. Thorn is going to cast Eldritch Blast at the last skeleton. That's a 22 to hit. Another very powerful blast. Thorn throws the petals flying magical missile into the caped skeleton and it hits right in the chest. Do the damage, please. 12 force damage. Another powerful explosion as the caped skeleton falls to the ground. Thorn's illusions all clap and Thorn bows once again. Erky is the first one to stand up as the combat just ended. Is everybody okay? Who's hurt? I think Methuselah, Mortis, and I are all hurt. I'm not sure about Thorn. Thorn, how are you doing? Thorn and his illusions are all holding hands, like jumping around a ring around the rosy circle. And Thorn is having the time of his life. And then they like pop out of existence as the full minute passes by of the spell's duration. And Thorn's like, <laughs> Oh, he's fine, Erky says. Getting close. Let me heal you. Methuselah's going to see that Mortis is, you know, pretty badly hurt from those two combats, and he's going to come over, yeah. You probably see it just kneeling down, trying to get the dagger out of his thigh. Oh, no. <laughs> so Methuselah walks over and he's like, oh, You don't look well, my friend. Let me help you. Got me good. <laughs> yes, it, it would seem. And then I'm going to play another song and this one's a song more generally about the druids and what i know about them and their mystical ways this song more specifically is about the druids who defeated the giants in legends and myth all those epochs ago and uh, as i do so the hand becomes red again and i touch the most pained wound on mortis and the flowers start to grow on him the music is so good and it's so heartwarming, especially because it makes instinctively Mortis think of Nira. And that not only heals your wounds, but warms your heart. Erky then in the distance, as he casts the Cure Wound spell as well on Seeker, with his glowing red hand touching the areas that are hurt for Seeker, making a few better again. And Mortis, you heal 11 hit points. Hey. A total of 10 hit points uh, healed back for Seeker. Erky then says, exasperated, We need to make sure to get out of here. If more of these guys come, we're probably not going to have time to rest or or to heal ourselves. Uh, as soon as Mortis is healed, he, he stands up. I might be able to help. 
If there are any more hiding in this area, I should be able to seek them out. There is an ability I can use. Let me try it. And then he's going to stand, like, sort of in the center of the room. He's going to pull out his greatsword so that he's holding it backwards. He's going to, like, stab it into the ground in front of him. He's going to close his eyes and begin to pray. Erky looks desperately towards Methuselah. Methuselah doesn't really understand, like, what Erky is giving him the signals for. And he's going to take a couple steps back, holding Yorick as he usually does in times of crisis. Mortis begins to chant. She, goddess of the dust, grant me your all-seeing eye so that I may uncover the unholy creatures that lie among us. And as he casts it, his entire body is going to begin to glow this white aura, and a giant moth is going to appear above him. And as the spell intensifies, uh, the moth opens its wings and casts this white light over the entire area allowing you to perceive the true nature of some creatures. You have been taught that by using this ability, your senses distinguishes for you what creature is around you. You were taught that when there are celestials near you, the nice little chime of angelical music is heard in the distance. The smell of sulfur emanates when there are fiendish demons and devils around you, and the taste of rot creeps up to you when there are undead around you. Looking towards the direction of the hallway, you do feel the taste of rot, the disgusting taste within you, almost making you vomit. But then, something else creates this taste much stronger intensified to the mats, which makes you forcibly stop yourself as you were ready to just throw up. When you look towards the direction of the feeling that created this to you, your friend Methuselah is the source of all this rot within you. Methuselah is an undead. episode of the sunless citadel thank you so much for listening subscribe to us on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts and be sure to catch the next installment of the sunless citadel every thursday at 12 p.m est if you like the show please consider leaving a review it's a small way to show your support that goes a long way to connect with us follow our social media accounts and if you like to support us well you can head on over to our patreon to join the conversation for you sneak peeks of our next project and discover our fantastic bonus content our intro score was created by Patrick Horton from Off the Beaten Path Musical. The Sunless Citadel can be found in Tales from the Yawning Portal by Wizards of the Coast. The World of Nosomundus was created by Pedro Stockler. Thanks again for listening from all of us at the Storyteller's Tavern. Mm-hmm.